Hello, you wonderful woman. Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, one of the UK's most successful love coaches, according to the Times Magazine, and author of the book, Love is Coming. It's my mission through this podcast to help single women, specifically female leaders, get powerful, soul-expanding relationships that revolutionize your growth, impact, and happiness during your time on planet Earth. Let's get straight to it. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am very excited for today's episode. I have with me the gorgeous Sarah O'Connor, who is an empowerment coach specializing in helping women spot red flags, raise their standards and attract in their dream relationship. And Sarah is also a former one-to-one client of mine who did my coaching container, Love for Leaders, back in 2019 to 2020, pre bloody pandemic pre all this mad shit that that we well the world was very different when we started working together wasn't it Sarah it was it was it was very different we didn't know what we didn't know turns out we didn't know what was about to come up for us both did we and you were just saying before we hit record that um, you're like thank god like for the timing of when we worked together that I've done the work. That a little bit. can you okay tell in fact that's a good place before we get into that Let's talk about your story in your own words. Like, why did you come to work with me? And then let's get into the timing of it. You know, we were, we were also talking about lockdown and imagining. I mean, I, I absolutely did this as well. I think, God, imagine if I had to do lockdown in the, in the state that I was in. Well, for me, it's a long time ago now, but I really don't know if I would have handled it very well at all. So in your own words, Sarah, lead us into how we came to be connected. Uh, So it was all very um, serendipitous, I guess, and uh, the synchronicities were were definitely in play. Um, But I I first, so to take you back to kind of how I became, I guess, a single person trying to find love was at the end of um, my relationship to my now ex-fiance. Um, so I'd been in this relationship for three and a half years. Everything was falling apart kind of around my ears. Um, and it all came to a head and to an end um, in September 2018. Um, and to give a bit of like colour to that, he he was, we had just, we'd got engaged in April. We had just moved into a new house. Um, which thankfully was only owned by me. Um, I'm so pleased in hindsight that he wasn't on the mortgage. Um, and so to, so to everyone else, the outside world, we looked, I looked like I had it all. I was like little miss, living the dream, every tick box you could want, you know, doing well in my job, house, person, planning a wedding. And actually, once you got inside our house, we were in our relationship, we were falling apart at the seams and he was disrespecting me and the relationship in a very big way and it just kept eroding and getting worse and the crux of it was that he was um a coke addict and was stealing from me um and being stolen from is kind of the weirdest kind of betrayal because you're kind of like on high alert aren't you for like betrayal of like infidelity or being abandoned and just sort of like being left but when someone is like, no, no, I'm fully in this relationship, but also I'm going to just disrespect you by stealing from you. And, you know, it, the, the, the implications of that were, 
you know, me having panic attacks, not knowing how I was going to pay for the house and all the rest of it, um, and him just the consistent lies. Um, it was it was really really traumatizing. So so once the relationship ended, quite honestly, I was just fucking relieved. Like I was so happy just to be out of the relationship because it the whole thing had been so stressful. Um, and then I just went on a bit of a manic kind of partying spree. Um, then went on to trying to sort of date. So after about three months of it being a bit manic. I then decided, okay, like I should probably, you know, I, you know, and everyone was telling me how strong I'd been for leaving because a lot of people would just stay and, and get get married and just put up with it, and and I was like, but I knew that finding love was kind of important to me, and I just sort of thought, I'm just going to be rewarded now with this amazing relationship that's going to like fall in my lap because I've because I've got rid of this terrible one, um, and that's when everything started to unravel a little bit more, and I was like. I don't think I really know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I've, like I'd go on dates and I'd, I'd be really concerned about whether they liked me and I'd be really concerned about showing up in a certain way. And, you know, the dating pool's like a fucking cesspit. So I was like, well, this guy who seems kind of amazing in my head, let me try and curate my perfect self so that he, he'll pick me and then I'm not gonna be left to this, you know, toilet of other men for <laughs> very long. And, and I just really, I really didn't know what I didn't know. And, and in the midst of that, I'd also have this sort of epiphany that once the, that even though I was relieved about obviously the relationship ending and stuff, there was still some grief obviously that had to happen of just kind of like trying to figure out what your life was gonna look like afterwards. But I remember after sort of like the storm of passing and I said to my mum, I was like, I don't feel like I've just lost the love of my life. Like, I'm really concerned that me, outwardly, very confident, very gobby, like very much like doesn't take any shit, is, was also about to marry someone I now don't miss. What the fuck is that about? And that kind of, that, there was something in me going, don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. And it was just little thread and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but I'm not okay. I won't ignore it. And that was actually how I came to come into the self-love summit, which is in July or June, June or July of 2019. And Persia, you were a speaker at it. So everyone that had gone, Mel Wells who ran it, she kind of shared everyone's profiles and stuff. So I remember following you, but in my ignorance, I guess, and in, in my kind of like thought of, I don't have loads of work to do, so I won't need Persia. Like this, like she's cool, but I don't need her. Like I'm good. Like I'm base. I've basically got this dating stuff nailed. It's just that last ten percent. But it was something I, I had a big decision to make actually because I, I was big into dancing and doing competitions and things like that. And the self love summit fell on the same weekend as a competition that I was going to be in, or some exams that I was going to be taking. And there was just, again, it was that little voice of just going, you've got to go to the summit. You need to go to the summit, like go to the, so I was like, okay. And that was a really big thing for me because I didn't really like people thinking that I didn't really know anything. I didn't like people knowing that I did like loads of like self-love stuff. So even like the name of it kind of freaked me out a bit. And I was going alone and it was in London on a Saturday. And, but I went and, and yeah, I had, had a lot of breakthrough moments in, in, in that, but from that, 
was paying more attention to you then Persia and then you ran a masterclass about how to get you know amazing men begging to date you and commit to you and whatever so I was like well maybe she'll have some kind of little gems for me and it'll be fine and it'll be just the right little trick that I need to trick somebody or like do the right thing to get the amazing guys to, to want me because I'm pretty much there. I pretty much got my shit together. But yet again, it was that little voice of like, I remember booking in a one-to-one -one with you afterwards, like after the masterclass thinking, I'm not gonna pay up. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna actually sign up. I sat there with my purse next to me at like half to seven in the morning because I booked the earliest call that I could have. You know, like, like, but there was just something in me that was, saying like there's something else that you need to do like because actually for 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 basically a year I'd been trying to get myself over the line and nothing had been sticking and and when we had that call you'd said I like to to work with people when they've been single for about a year because I want everyone to have seen all four seasons and I was like oh yeah it's been about a year and I was like yeah because I threw them out on September that I was like Oh, I was like, it was a year today. I was like, that's funny. And you were like, hmm, hmm. watch out for them, Sarah, the synchronicities. And I was like, the what? <laughs> I didn't know what it even meant. And I was like, okay. And yeah, signed up. And that and that was that. And then that's when we came came to to be in each other's sphere. Oh, it takes me back. You know, that that actually brought a little tear to my eye a couple of times. The first time being when you said that that realizing I was about to marry someone turns out I don't even miss them and essentially like the near fucking miss and it's made it reminded me of how many I've had of them myself and I know that you know we're going to get to this later you you help women now around red flags and and you know thank fucking god thank god you had the courage and the bravery to walk away you know obviously addiction is something I'm very very familiar with myself and it is an absolute minefield to navigate and horrific for the addict and also really painful for the people who um, surround the addict. And that does not get talked about nearly enough. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, the minute we got on that call, it was, it was chemistry, you know, I call it a chemistry call because it, for me, I'm like, you know, it, it, to be really blunt, a lot of it is, do I get on with this person? <laughs> because we're going to spend a lot of very intimate time together. And I need to know that you get me and I get you because I yeah. want this to be, it's going to be really fucking hard, but I also want it to be as enjoyable as possible. And we got on that call and it was just, it's like when you go on a date and it just flows and it's easy and it's just, it's mm -hmm. just a right fit to yeah. use the wanky expression that is so often used in the coaching industry. I hate it, but I totally get it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and also what I want to say is that you showed up, even though you didn't have the intention to sign up, there was something in your gut that just kept saying, you know, like Oprah says, take the next right step, the next right step. And you kept following and listening. Mm -hmm. And that overrode the ego that says, I don't need this, you know, that wants to stay trapped, that wants to stay small. And you the moment that you made that commitment, which I think you actually, I mean, your soul made like way before your conscious brain did, mm -hmm. but you were so all in and you so committed and you were such a pleasure to work with, not just because we had, we did have a lot of laughs and a lot of tears and all sorts yeah. in that time, but, but because you were a dream client because you fucking rolled your sleeves up and you got stuck in. Yeah. 
got to fucking work. You've fucking got to work. And and that's what I'm like, you know? And it's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. Like, I'm not going to skirt around it because what's the point? And, and so I knew that you were going to get great results. I knew that you were, which you did. And we will come to them in all in good time. So yeah. what I want to talk about now, a couple of things is... Before that relationship with your ex, what what had your love life looked like then? Um, so it had been, I, I would have always thought of myself as kind of the quintessential single girl, I guess. Um, always some sort of funny story to tell somebody about dating, but never just the, yeah, I'm dating them, they're great, I'm really happy. That that was never my story. And like, and I would, I would be single and I would go through breakups and they would, I would be devastated by things that had lasted hardly any time at all. Um, I would be picking all the wrong guys. I would actively do it at times because there was like the little devil on my shoulder that was like, well, this will be funny. Okay. <laughs> so relate. Do you know what I mean? Like, Okay. It was all about funny story for the mates, if nothing all, else. All of the funny stories, yeah. I was, I, and like, you know, I, I kind of like came into my promiscuity quite late, I guess, in terms of kind of like from a from a, a, a girl's perspective. I was bullied incessantly at school by girls and guys, which really knocked my confidence in kind of like how I viewed myself, how I viewed my body and that sort of thing. And so, so I, I kind of, I didn't really get into my groove of like, oh well sex is fun and this is good until you know I was quite a bit kind of like it, it wasn't like a teenage thing for me because I was always just worried that someone was doing it as a joke and I, and I was going to end up being the butt of the joke or something do you know what I mean so it always was a bit later but I kind of um I'd gone from loving guys that were really really toxic then having one relationship that felt like it was very like real but I realized now that it was all very, it was too quick. And then that ended and that devastated me. And I found that really difficult to get over. Um, and instead of really getting over it, I just kind of like pushed it down and just kind of made like, I was just like, well, I can't keep crying about the guy who left me after three months, seven months later, because this is absolutely stupid. If, if, the, if the world had been like it was now, I probably would have hired a coach at that point or gone to a therapist at that point because I think I'd have maybe realized that there was something more the matter than, than there needed to be um whereas at the time it was just like just get on the apps and just get on with it and just hope for the best sort of thing um and then what led me into the relationship that I then got into with my with my ex-fiance was um fear of turning 30 and being alone which genuinely, I, I didn't have a freak out at 30. I had a freak out at turning tw 29 at the idea that this was going to be how I was going to turn 30. And that made me all manner of not okay. That made, that made me, that was kind of like the crux of like, well, I'm clearly not going to get the, the, the relationship like I thought I had with the guy before. So... I'll just go with the guy who's nice. Like I'll just sort of go with the guy who kind of can give me the life that I want because actually maybe it's all in my head that you can have everything. Maybe you can't have everything. Maybe everything isn't gonna be rainbows and unicorns 
because I was a hopeless romantic like I'd watch films and be like oh my god like why is that not me um sort of thing and I thought do you know what I clearly can't have that that's not my that can't be me like and as well like because of everything that had happened like leading up to it like I I what was uncovered in our work is that I now realize that I genuinely believe that I was hard to love I mean this face but like do you know what I mean like I did like I really like I really had the lowest self-worth it would like I like I look back and I just want to give myself a hug mm. um but what I will say in in reference to what you said about how you know I nearly married someone that I shouldn't have I have never been more delighted that he turned out to be the asshole that he did and the relationship fell apart like it did because if it hadn't I'd now be married maybe with a baby to someone who I don't really like that terrified me that was the thing that really like like made me more frightened than anything because outwardly I was like the I'm taking his shit. I don't set up for anything. I can be with that man. I can do the blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, oh, but that isn't what you were doing. That, that isn't the life you were about to go into, Sarah, actually. <laughs> Maybe time to look at that. <laughs> okay, so you raise a very good point there, Sarah. This is something I see all the time, particularly with the high achieving women I work with. Mm-hmm. It's like a defense mechanism of I'm independent. I'm strong. I've got my shit together. I've got, I earn my own money. I've got a good job. And it's not to say that those things aren't true, but mm. I even know how I can see how I did it in, in a way as well. But like, I, it's that thing of, you know, the lady doth protest too much is true. You know, it took me a long time to learn that true confidence, the most confident person in the room, is not the loudest. <laughs> I thought it was. And I think we, we were both the same there. <laughs> but it's like, the truly confident person doesn't need to keep going on about how independent they are and how, and it, you know, it's sometimes, I don't know if you've ever come across people who are like, I am so generous. And I'm like, I don't know, it really jars me. Because I'm like, <laughs> like, just be generous. You don't need to make a point. Like anyone who makes a point of, I am so, I'm just so kind. I'm so giving. I'm so generous. Like I always, something in me just goes, well, firstly cringes a bit, but also it's like, what in you feels that you need to make that declaration? Why not just be generous? Because Why not just let people see it. Yeah, exactly. Or but even then it, you can go deeper and be like, but why why does it why do you need people to see it? And I get it because yeah. I've I've done that. I won't say I'm the most generous, but I'll do certain things from a place of fear or lack or scarcity because I want I don't want people to think I'm a bitch, right? Well, you know, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. it's not that it's not there's not generosity, but if I'm honest, there's also some other stuff going on there. And really, this is this is the work that you're talking about. It's like on the one hand, you can present. That's a big thing. You can present as one thing. But actually, really, you're masking the truth, which is that you feel unworthy, you don't feel that you're lovable, that you don't feel good enough, that you don't think, and you said something along these lines of, don't think it's possible for you to have that great relationship that we see in, well, I don't say in the movies, I don't think we see great relationships, I think we see very toxic, very enmeshed relationships, but you know what I mean, like that relationship that that vision we have of like, you know, cozy Sundays in the pub and traveling and all of these like beautiful pictures. And I think that that's what we've become really attached to. So what I'd love to know is what was it for you once you signed up to do the Love for Leaders program and work with me, what was it that you feel looking back was the biggest shift 
that helped you get to where you are today? And we're going to come to the results that you got very shortly, but I'm interested in hearing the, what the shift was first. So, I mean, the shifts were many and they were, that they were groundbreaking. They were life-changing, but they were things like um, the realization that, and the having to actually acknowledge through looking at what I was actually doing, not what I was saying, not what I was presenting, but my behavior and my actual patterns, how I was coming across and showing up for myself and the fact that I didn't, that I didn't show up for myself ever when it came to men, that when it came to relationships, I didn't know how to communicate what I was feeling, what I wanted, what they were doing that wasn't okay. Um, I wasn't able to uh, relinquish any form of control and let them be who they actually were. That was a huge one for me, the control element. When we did, when we looked at like control and I, I realized that I tried to curate everything because I didn't believe things were gonna happen by chance by themselves. But that also meant that I had like almost like a stranglehold on the people in my life, not just in relationships, like romantically. Like my, I remember having a very honest conversation with one of my best friends when I was doing all of this work and she was so supportive and she was just like, okay, so talk me through what you've learned this week with Persia. And, and I was like, so it turns out like I'm a bit of a control freak and, and, may, and maybe I'm not that nice. Like when people tell me something that I don't want to hear and she was like, yeah and I was like oh god <laughs> like and it's like it's so hard to look at and you're like oh god so one of my biggest things that I just had to keep repeating and that I started repeating really early was hands off the wheel hand like hands off the wheel because actually Sarah they're a person and they get to choose how they show up and what they do and how they behave and mm. it's got fuck all to do with you and your meddling like get <laughs> out of their fucking business like and and actually that was a really big learn for me because I also really craved a um in terms of masculine and feminine energy I wanted a masculine man who could lead and be his own person because my ex was essentially like a man child who I was his mother to and had to take care of and I didn't want to do that but I also was very happy to step into the driving seat and to take the lead. And therefore I attracted men that were fucking useless and didn't <laughs> do stuff for themselves. And I didn't like it. So, and then I was more than happy to be like, as opposed to being like, well, you're not for me then because I want someone who can do it. I was like, fine, I'll do it. Fine, 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 fine. Mm. And just like get, just getting on with it. Because again, I think that's a trait of people, of women who are successful. Like you get shit done in work. So you're used to being like, well, I've got to take the lead because I run my own fucking business. So yes, of course. Mm -hmm. But actually like my, my mantra had to become like, oh, not, not yours, not yours. Stop, put it down, not yours. Even to the littlest thing, like someone being in a car with someone and they're driving and they're taking a route that I wouldn't take, I would catch myself. So I'd be like, why are you going this way? This isn't the quick, quick, quickest way. And then be like, hmm, you're not driving. Not, not your job. We're not going to be late. Let them go whatever route they want. Like I just, I would have to have these little conversations with myself so often and things like, 
people cancelling on me for things and me being like, okay, is it a big deal? No, not really. Pick your battles. Okay. Like, and, cho and choosing when I was going to lose my shit about stuff that actually matters, as opposed to making my friends walk on eggshells because they're like, God, I don't want to mention that to Sarah because she's probably going to be annoyed. <laughs> you know what I have to say? I um, It's so amazing to listen to you and I'm obviously watching you on Zoom as we're recording this. And it's like you're, it, you know, I, I, I always quote this. Uh, I know you were in Thailand at the beginning of when we were working together and in Asia, so many people that that expression, same, same, but different. And I, I love it because it just is so true. It's like you are same, same as who you were when we started working, but at the same time, you're completely different because yeah. the confidence that I'm seeing in you now is just who you are like there's not you're not hiding you're not you're not and I get it, and I can say this because I absolutely get it because it was me it you're not performing and you're you not performing. Me. on that first call I definitely had some performance in me didn't I like and I remember you being like yeah we'll we'll get to that and I was just like yeah okay I was thinking fine but yeah but there was still something the ego was still being kind of overshadowed even a little bit at that point by like it took time and then you completely broke down. I can't remember what module, probably oh quite, yeah, all of them <laughs> for a different reason. <laughs> all of them, all seven. But, but, but it was, it was, it was exactly what Brene Brown talks about. It's that stripping away. And like, you know, we have been, you know, us women, we have not had power for very long over our lives, over very many, most aspects, all aspects, really. And so I always want to remind us, like, how fucking, like, there's, I saw a quote the other day that was like, you know, look, um, women have only had power or autonomy for like 50 to 100, a century. Imagine what we could do with, with a thousand years, like where we will be. Um, but it's that thing of like, you know, we've had to, be manipulative and coercive and under the radar and, and have all these things because we didn't have any other way to have any sort of power. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it, it takes time to strip all that back. But as Brene Brown says, it's like, you know, vulnerability, which we have been um, sold the lie is, you know, essentially weakness. And the way, you know, particularly in your dating life, don't tell the fucking truth. No, present the version of you that you think he wants. And, and same in friendships and same in, with work and all these various different aspects. But it like, as I've experienced, and I know that you get as well, Sarah, now it's like, God, the relief when you can just fucking let it go and be yourself. And the people who can't fucking handle it, because some people can't, and that's okay. They do just sort of over time fall away and yeah. you attract in very very different kinds of people friends relationships etc and so yeah. that brings us really nicely to the next question what were the biggest results that you experienced in your life having done the love for leaders program so i would say out outside of kind of like direct romantic relationships the the biggest the biggest shift I think that I found, which it's really funny because now I work with clients who want kind of the, that kind of amazing relationship. They don't like me saying this, but I'm like, I don't know if you know this, it's like, but I'm my soulmate. And they're like, what? They're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, but, but I am though, because actually that, 
that kind of that sole part of me that was the one going you need to pay attention Sarah to the fact that everything fell apart and maybe that means something and oh that little voice that's telling you to go to this the summit and that little voice is telling you to get your purse ready even though your, your ego is telling you you're not going to work with Persia that's the part of you that knows what the fuck she's doing like mm. and that's the part you need to start listening to and that's the part you need to start taking action on even though you don't want to because your ego and your identity and everything you formed as part of like this is who I am in this earthly world she doesn't know what to do with that but actually your soul the, the soul part of you your intuition whatever you want to call it is the one that knows your greatest good and knows the path to take you to where you need to go and will be the most honored you, you honoring what that like that part of you is trying to get you to do whilst it will feel uncomfortable will lead you to your greatest good and that is what I try to honor all the time so and like you say that doesn't always end that well because you end up having some boundaries on things and you end up talk like speaking your truth to things that, that normally maybe you wouldn't have said anything about and the big the big like I can't I can't like put too fine a point on the fact that this whole thing, like, like Love for Leaders and working with you, Persia, changed my life. Like, it literally, like, bit like beyond measure. Like, and I said to you, didn't I? When I was doing, when I, we were working together, I was rebuilding my house, and I felt like I was rebuilding myself. <laughs> like, I was like this is like the most metaphorical thing that's been <laughs> happening around me, this crumbling literally of my house around me, because the, like, if, you, if you put the time into the work, you, everything that you have become as a defense mechanism to hide things that you think are bad or wrong or are gonna hurt too much to show the world are then what you present out. And that is what is keeping you stuck in your romantic relationships because in your romantic relationships, you can't be that that pretend version of yourself. The real you has to come out. And unless you can, can cultivate a relationship with that part of yourself to be able to express it in a way that isn't destructive or run away from it or you know make it wrong or bad or project it onto somebody else, that shit's gonna come up. So you better start doing some work to get okay with it. <laughs> because as soon as you start putting some light on it, I think it's Brene Brown says as well, like shame can't live in the dark. Like, it, like once you bring it to the light and you'll realize that, oh, actually, yes, I acknowledge that I've been a very controlling, <laughs> annoying person to lots of people, but actually there's another way to do this. Like I get to show up differently. Like is like, like everything shifts and like you said same same but different like there'll be people that will have met me three or four years ago where they won't really see a difference in me and other people and and but then people that really know me they're like no you're like you're, you're different like there's there's something different about you and there's a lightness to me because I'm not so I'm not trying to curate everything I'm just mm. like I'm just I've got this like outward exhale breath of like okay like I'm okay because I've got me like I've got my own back here and I remember when you know even when we were still doing the work together I guarantee you my mum thought I'd met somebody it was so funny that she definitely thought I'd met somebody and I was thinking oh yeah she thinks I'm all gl glowy because I've met, met a man 
and I haven't. <laughs> I've just stopped. I've just I've just removed all the stuff that was making me tense and mm. and uptight and and like guarded and you know and performative. Like I wasn't performing anymore. And and once you kind of like take away all the barriers and the layers of the stuff that isn't really you, that's when you, the real you gets to shine. Mm. That and that's that's when you're going to be the most magnetic to everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love what you've said there that the most, and, and listen, I get this all the time because people, they want to come and work with me and they like go, can you guarantee that I'm going to have a boyfriend at the end of this? <laughs> I'm like, no. No, it's not true. I can say, I can say, look, you can look at all these testimonials of that. And I get that. I get mm-hmm. that you want that result, but you will never get that as long as that's your question. That's the irony yeah. because yeah. until you're doing it, for you you're Mm. not ready for a great relationship because you will uh, from that energy it's coming from scarcity it's coming from fear it's coming from lack guess what that ain't attractive not for not for a healthy person you might attract someone but it's not going to be a healthy relationship so Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you started with actually it was your relationship with yourself and it was how you feel in yourself that's the most important mm-hmm. now I do know that you did actually end up attracting someone and I I've seen bits <laughs> I've seen bits of the story but not the full thing so I'm really glad that we've got you on recording right yeah. now so sharing as many or as few words the love story that you were led to aside from the one with yourself yes so then or the, in addition to yeah in addition to to that then I, I guess what what really I found then after working, once our, our time together in the, like the container, like the official container ended, that was around February. And then I was honestly really scared about dating and kind of getting myself back out into like the dating world, if you like, because I was so aware of how I used to show up. Mm-hmm. And then I, w- I had all this new knowledge. I was scared about getting it wrong. I was scared about going backwards. Um, and really, you don't really get to, I, I realised I got to a stage, I think I probably got back onto dating apps around the April time, which was then a really weird time because that was when then COVID had sort mm-hmm. of happened. But I thought, well, at least this is kind of like a way of just being able to talk to people and and doing things that I'd never done, which was like, if someone said something I didn't like on a dating app, being like, and that shut down, no, thank you. Okay, I'm blocked and unmatch and whatever. Um, and it really got my kind of um, practice in, I guess, of kind of like, because like I'd started speaking more from a truthful place and putting boundaries in and saying no to people in my like life outside of romance that then it was like okay now I've got to try and do this romantically as well so I had like a bit of practice I went on you know a couple of dates at the park and with people that were awful or you know and, and some that were all right but it was just kind of all right um and then I had like a bit of a like a like a crisis of confidence I kind of like had a I was really worried that I was like I'd have like moments of my faith kind of dipping and being like oh am I ever actually going to find somebody though like and it and it definitely wasn't like my overarching belief or thought but occasionally it would come up mm-hmm. um and I remember going on a date with a guy and he kind of like ticked all the boxes if you like and I was really hard on myself that I didn't fancy him. And I remember, I remember, I'm very dramatic. And I remember messaging one of my friends and being like, I'm going to have to message Perja and tell her I'm broken. I'm going to have to tell her I've done all the work. And I've met a guy who's really nice. I just don't even like him. <laughs> that was 
and I was like, maybe, maybe it's meant to be like this. Maybe it's okay. And my friend, again, one of my best friends who'd been like fully supportive throughout all of it and was always really like, just really like calm and whatever. And she was like, I don't think Persia's going to tell you that you should be compromising to this extent. Like, you know, tr just trust the process. And I was like, and, I, and so I, I just kind of like collected myself, didn't think like too much of it, but sort of knocked it on the head. And, and weirdly enough, I always laugh whenever I hear your intro to the podcast when you say dates that become mates, because he is now a friend of mine, this guy, mm -hmm. um, who like was supposed to go for a walk together, catch up on, on like, you know, texts and stuff. And he's dating somebody else now. But from the point of um, the like me ending like well I think we went on two or three dates I can't remember but to us saying should we just be friends it was literally three three weeks later that I matched with the Spaniard who is and I, and I just remember thinking isn't that funny <laughs> like universe rewarding me with not settling again um and beating myself up about it but um yeah I've been with I call him the Spaniard um but yeah he uh, he's from Barcelona um and we met on Tinder, uh, just one evening. Um, we started having a chat and the conversation was just very easy, like really funny, like, you know, just no no flags, just really like easy chat. And I remember instantly being like, oh, this, this is fun. And going back to look at his pictures and being like, God, he's got a lovely face. And, you're like, oh, he's got and then going back into our chat and he'd literally put, You've got a lovely face, you know. I've just looked at your pictures and you've got, a, and I was like, that's weird. I was like, oh my God, but I was like, okay. Then I went back onto his profile and was like, um, excuse me, why does your profile say that you're 24 years old? And he was like, because I am. And I was like, oh my God, oh God. I was like, right. I was like, and he went, I was like, do you know I'm 34? And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh my God. So, and I was like, well, I don't even know why you're part of my, like, part of my search thing. I was like, because I haven't set it to 24-year-olds, obviously. Um, and he laughed and he was like, why is it a problem? And I just thought, well, the conversation had been so good. I'm just thinking, well, and I just said to him and laughed and went, well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, I, I can't, like, on paper, like, yeah, that's stupid, but actually we've already got on really well so I'm not going to just cut it off just for the sake of it because it's this on paper thing mm -hmm. um and then also as well because at that point I don't think I even knew he was from Barcelona I just like assumed he wasn't English from his name um and I said to him I was like hang on a minute I have a question when are you 25 and he was like in four days and I was like oh okay fine that's okay then and he went <laughs> Oh yeah, he went, because nine years is fine, but 11 years would have been awful. I was like, oh, shut up. And I thought, oh, do you know what? At least he's got like dry sense of humor, like sarcastic. Um, and then, yeah, that's when I realized he was from, yeah, from Barcelona in Spain. Um, and we met up, I think two weeks after that, went for a walk at the park um, because COVID. Um, and, and literally, honestly, it's just been the most, straightforward, non-dramatic, lovely, expansive dating and relationship that I've ever, ever experienced. Like he is 
everything on my list of like manifestation. And if I had met him prior to doing any of your work, I'd have been, I'd have completely cut the whole thing off and said, it's too short, it's too Spanish, it's too long. <laughs> I said the same thing. Well, not not too Spanish or too young or too short, actually. So none of those three things. But I had my own version of that. For I said I said to my um, one of my best friends, this was like a week after I met Joe. And there he was at my like one of my best friend's brother's 30th. It just, one of those things that just sort of these things kept happening. I don't it wasn't even planned. It just sort of things happened. I said, he will never be my boyfriend. She was like, why not? I was like. Just he, and I was just clutching at straws. I was trying to yeah. find a reason because it was just too easy mm-hmm. and I was not used to it. Yeah. So I love that. And what I really want to say is I, I love the way that you dealt with the age thing because like, this is the thing on paper, you can have, like you had with uh, the other guy you dated, there can be all the things that tick the boxes on the on an external level. So they're not red flags. They're just sort of facts. Fact, he's 24. Yeah. It's only a red flag if he's, behaving in a way that is problematic for you do you know what I mean so it's not that it's not the fact of his age it's just whether or not that's going to be yeah I know men I've dated men exactly dated men who were like 10 years older than me and behaved like they were fucking 14 you know so it's not as simple as that exactly and that's the thing like I was like well we'll soon find out and I went into it being like and I probably will find out. I probably am going to find out that actually there is going to be something that is going to come up that is going to be like, oh, that's why this doesn't work. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but I've never, I've never been able to approach dating like that before because I used to be like, oh, good. I'm now like, as if I'm like some sort of baby and I've looked at someone, I've imprinted on them and I'm just going to cling to them as if we're like, oh, I've chosen you now. So I'm just going to cling to you here and make mm-hmm. you my person. And like, that's like, that's that, like, I, and I suppose um, co- codependency would be what that would be described as, you know, just this like clinging to another person without having any kind of ability to assess something as you go through the stages of, of you know, of dating, because yeah. dating can feel so anxiety inducing that for people who haven't dealt with their own, you know, attachment trauma and all that sort of stuff and healed anything they don't know how to just kind of like assess it as you go but mm-hmm. I hadn't really realized how good I'd got at that mm-hmm. until one of my friends who is anxiously attached me and me and the Spaniard have been dating I don't know maybe two two months two and a half months something like that and she was like so, how, so how's it going and I was like yeah really good and she was like okay so yeah but would you like so how, how many dates have you been on and I was like well, I don't know. And she was like, and she was like, how many weeks has it been? And I was like, I don't know how I counted. And then I was like, oh, but I would have. I'd have so mm. I'd have known the days that I'd have been dating him for. And yeah. I'd have been desperate to have made it from the very first time that we'd ever even spoken to then be like announcing to everybody like, oh, I've got a boyfriend, I've got a boyfriend, because it would mean something about me whereas I didn't tell anybody till well not I didn't tell I told my friends but I didn't tell my, my mum until April I mean she nearly lost her fucking mind <laughs> it was hilarious she just didn't like it at all but I wanted to keep him for me for ages because I think I kept every time I'd I would like we would meet up I would think maybe this is going to be the, the 
the time when it doesn't work. Maybe this is going to be the date or the, the you know the meeting where it's like, oh, we have vastly different values on this, or oh, this is something that we can't move past, or oh, we just don't fancy each other this week. Mm. Like, it, and then it always being like, oh yeah, no, that didn't happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just didn't happen and hasn't happened. And it, it, if anything, he's more mature than I am because <laughs> I am not mature at all and and like the age thing becomes like a joke between us because and, and like things that are gen, genuinely hilarious then because I'll be like oh I love this song do you remember this song and he's like no I was four I was like, Fuck. <laughs> like you're so annoying like you're so fucking annoying but like but we but we can laugh about it because yeah. it has no effect on us the connection no, yeah. And and the whole like the height thing. So I used to be kind of like a stickler for like, well, I've got to be this, I've got to be that, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that I remember you saying about being like like the like your list of affirmations and like to, to manifest and things like that was um, not to be too like be accurate, but not so specific that it's like, oh, they need to be like have blue eyes and six foot two and drive this car type of thing like it needed to be more kind of like the feeling I guess of what you wanted so one of the things that was very important to me was like wanting to have like a very strong kind of like physical connection Mm -hmm. with somebody and I would always normally associate that with like a like a tall broad person and instead my affirmation was I'm so grateful for how sexually attracted I am to my partner well, I mean, I just basically climb on him all of the time. <laughs> yeah, we're just constantly walking around the house. I'm like, babe, can you take can you take your top, top off? Can you take your top off? And he's like, oh, like <laughs> just smiled objectification. But you know, it's but that's something that was important to me, and it's something that is that that is that is you know has, at, that was delivered, but it didn't come in the form that I would have you know been expecting and I remember you always saying that about Joe like he wasn't Mm. what you expected but he's more than what you asked for even yeah you know what I also really can see in you as well I love that you're we're having this chat and you're sat there in your beautiful office that you've had renovated obviously along with the whole house I remember I love that the metaphor of you were rebuilding the house as you were rebuilding yourself I I mean you know I love a metaphor you know I love a metaphor Mm -hmm. um so I can just see how much more because you're just so relaxed about the relationship, it just sort of takes care of itself. Not to say there's not going to be, you know, there's won't have been, or there's not going to be things that come up, of course, because, you know, we're humans, but you're relaxed and it means that you can have time and energy to, to do other things. Like you're, you're now helping women in their love lives, which is so amazing. Like, I'm so happy that you've been inspired to do that and using your own story and your experience and your, you know, your humor to to help which is which is just so what we need and and this is really you know love for leaders one of the primary reasons I created it and definitely when I did ayahuasca lot in last month in Costa Rica this got this sort of went even deeper for me is like you know helping women have like free up their time and energy that they used to spend obsessing over relationships and dating so that so that that relationship or or their love life can actually support and elevate rather than distract from them from the important work that they're here to do in the world because I believe that we all are we have an important mission. I couldn't agree with that more. Like the like the 
the amount of the amount of support that he gives me just emotionally and like physically but there's like but like you say like I was obsessed with boys like men dating whatever like I would be able to basically pinpoint most of the land like the like the big like key moments and landmarks around my life I'd be able to be like oh yeah I was dating that person then oh yeah I was obsessed with that person then oh I was with that person then like everything was connected to relationships because they were so important to me and now and this is what I say to my clients as well is why would you like when they're trying to kind of like shoehorn around peg into a square hole and ignore the red flags and make this person perfect and I'm like why would you choose to date someone who makes your life harder? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why, like life is already hard. Like, there's already hard shit to do. Why would you date someone who actively makes your life harder? Like, like want more for yourself and take me as an example that you can have it. Like you, do, like, you don't have to be dating someone who is going to like give you panic attacks and make you walk on eggshells and, and or just, like leave you hanging so you're like are we, are we are we dating are we fine are we not I don't know like it like if you show up and you do the work and you're able to be the 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 most healthy version of yourself that you can be then you will attract like for like like you said like water seeks its own level like mm-hmm. and I say to I say to the Spaniards a lot like I like I'm so grateful for you like and everything that like you care so much about the relationship. Like he, like he's in it. Like and he fully cares about my, his main concern, which is actually so. He's basically a the walking, talking embodiment of a securely attached person. And he, it's awe inspiring because he's never had, he's never been to therapy, he's never done any work on it. I tell him he's securely attached, and he goes, "That's nice, babe," and gets on with his fucking day. Like like Joe. Like, <laughs> yeah, he just is like. Cool. That's just who they are. Yeah. Yeah. He just doesn't know that that's special. Rare. <laughs> yeah. And like, and special. And like, and I said to him, I was like, I don't think you quite realise like the fact that you, like, that you act like if something's a matter, you just ask. Like, and you like you care and you want to make it better. Like, you want things to be all right. And he was like, I don't really think you understand what you bring to this either, though, Sarah. He was like, because I've dated plenty of women and I've asked, and they don't tell me. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, oh yeah, actually, if you dated me three years ago, this would be going very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it'd be going very differently because he's so his own person that I'd have been trying to make him something that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of our, our like our big conversations that we had when we'd been dating for a few months, and I had invited him to come on a holiday with me, and he was like, oh well, I'm just a bit worried because we we're going to the Lake District, and my friends were there. And he was like, well, I'm just, he goes, I'm a bit worried because if your friends don't like me, maybe you won't like me. And I was like, I just, I was like, I feel like I need to say this. I was like, because I know you've never really known me any different. You only know me for like four months or whatever it is. I was like, but I've spent a lot of my life trying to make men that I've dated something that they aren't. I was like, and I'm doing, I've done a lot of work to now make sure that I am dating you and that I know who you are as I and I really care about the person that you actually are so as long as you show up I don't really care what they think because they might not get it or they might think you're a bit quieter than I am which you are but I'm not asking you to not be quieter than me like you're allowed to be you 
I was like, as long as you're not about to turn into like a dickhead. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't want you to be rude to them, but I don't know you as rude. As long as I know, as long as I can recognize you as you, we're good. And I think that really gave them a lot of like comfort, I guess, to just be like, oh, I'm allowed to be myself. And, you know, and, and that, like, and I think we've had those little check-in conversations quite a lot. And we had our one year anniversary in December. So it's now April, no, no, March. So it's now March. So we'll be coming up for a year and a half quite soon. But in our, but in both, both of us in our cards for our anniversary, both wrote like, I feel like I met you yesterday. Like everything feels so fresh. But I think that is indicative of the fact that if anything comes up, like anything, we address it immediately. Like immediately. Like I've got really good at. Uh, so two things that I teach my clients is, are you being vulnerable and are you cook? communicating because those two things are invariably where assumptions get made people jump to conclusions you hide because you don't want to show them an emotion because it's wrong or bad or it's going to scare them away I don't do any of that I'm just like you said this this is what I think it means what the fuck's going on <laughs> he's like well that isn't what I said I was like it is and then but then we have it out like we have an actual conversation then it's like oh Oh, okay or you know if one of us has done something we apologize for it and we're like oh you know what and behavior gets changed and then we move forward and everything's great like mm -hmm. like we like nothing i think we, we feel fresh because nothing's left to fester like yeah. at all yeah. and that's where resentment builds and that's where the cracks in relationships come mm -hmm. from and yeah. you know i just feel like yeah we're coming up to 18 months and it it honestly i feel like if someone said Oh, you met him last December. I'd have been like, yeah, yeah. Like it feels like a few months. Mm. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. And it's God, it's nearly seven years for us, but it feels like it's it's new because we're both growing and it's mm. fucking great. I could talk to you forever, but we have come to that time where we're starting to approach the runway mm -hmm. to land. This last section is called the lightning round. Okay. And, um, it's just quick responses. The first thing that comes to your head. Sometimes weird things come out. Go with it. Maybe not. But don't try not to think of it. Like just speak. Okay. First question. What love life advice, Sarah, would you give to your 15-year-old self? Oh God. I'd tell her to respect herself more. Probably punch the girls at school who were mean to her. <laughs> um, and to have more more belief that she's worth absolutely everything that she wants and not to panic it's all coming don't worry mm. you can't have you can't have him yet because there's only one <laughs> Love it. what's one thing you don't want people to know about you oh that i'm very emotional like much more emotional than anyone would ever believe i think uh, i think you remember finding it quite surprising how many tears you got from me. Uh, I remember you being like, oh, like that's a lot of crying. Um, but yeah, I like, I've, I've just, the, the, I say it to the Spaniard a lot and I'm like, I don't, like, I'm very emotional. Like, and I find it, um, it's still something that I'm kind of like easing into letting everyone see, I guess, because mm -hmm. that was a big 
part of my identity that was like, no, you don't get to make me cry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, before the final question, where can people connect with you? Oh, Instagram. So I am Dr. Sarah O'Connor. Um, I run a monthly masterclass called Red Flag Radar, and I choose a different red flag every month where we do a bit of a deep dive into it and how to avoid it and then journaling prompts and things for you to go away with afterwards um, to dive into. Um, I also do one-to-one -one coaching as well um, on all of this good stuff. Um, and I basically live in Instagram stories. So if you want to come and see me making a fool of myself, please come and join me. Um, and yeah, I do lives most weeks as well. Um, so yeah, that's where you can come and hang out. I will link that in the show notes for this episode. Okay, so final question. What would your number one piece of advice be for any successful single woman who is listening to this right now and who is on the fence about joining love for leaders mm -hmm. and they're really struggling in their life because they they just don't think it's going to happen for them yeah i mean like booming love to them because i've definitely been that person and i've definitely convince myself of all the different reasons external factors that would mean that somebody would be either intimidated by me or I was too outspoken or I was too this or I was too that get comfortable with the fact that 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 is that those are lies that some that you're telling yourself they're they're lies that make it easier for you to stay in the circle of stuckness that you're in and you don't need to stay there that isn't where you need to set up camp and live by yourself um and actually you don't know what you don't know yet and that's actually one of the most exciting places to be because whilst you are like I think there's a lot of similarities with like building a successful business and the belief you've got to have in yourself to make the right moves even though you can't see the outcome yet with kind of what you need to do in your love life so you you have the ability to do it you just need to channel it into the right thing and love for leaders will, will 100% do it for you. I have absolutely no doubt. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all your beautiful, kind words. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your commitment to showing up for yourself and now for other women as well. You know, I'm so fucking proud of the journey you've been on, Sarah. I really am. And it's been so amazing to catch up and just see all the magic that's been happening for you. And, and I just know that this will have really spoken to the women who it needs to speak to having seen that journey that you've been on yourself so thank you so much I thank hope you so much for having me absolute pleasure absolute pleasure and that's a wrap thank you so much for tuning in I really hope this episode served you and gave some practical insights and strategies around the next steps in transforming your love life from the inside out do come and let me know over on Instagram what resonated for you the most and why. I am at Persia Lawson. And if you want more tips and tools on how to become a vibrational match for the powerful, committed relationship that you deserve, check out my book, Love is Coming, as well as my programs and coaching containers over at persialawson.com. This website is also linked in this episode's show notes. And if you got value from this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, share, and or leave a quick review. 
This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other women who want or need the support. And to have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. Until next time, I want you to remember that love is coming for you. But in the meantime, it's your responsibility to stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get and start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be.